0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Tiny House Summit. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I am here with Jay Schaefer. On August 5th, 1999, Jay finished building himself an 8x12 house on wheels. A few days later, he released a book he'd been writing about the merits of smaller houses and the corrosive effects of overreaching laws that prohibit them. Jay's house and his views would soon receive attention from the mainstream. His designs and philosophy have inspired thousands of people worldwide to build little houses of their own and have led to critical housing law reforms in the US. The houses, their occupants, Jay's philosophy, and the widespread civil disobedience that changed American housing law would come to be known as the tiny house movement. Today, Jay lives in a seven by eight foot house in Northern California. He's still designing and building tiny houses, and he continues to speak out against lingering prohibitions on affordable, efficient housing solutions. The movement he pioneered is bigger than ever. Jay Schaefer, welcome to the Tiny House Summit. Yeah, I'm so excited to be be here with you. And I I thought um, kind of of a first question as, as kind of a launching point for us would be just like, what's what's something the one thing or maybe a couple of things that are kind of making you the most excited in the tiny house movement these days
1: yeah there are so many yeah. different angles you can approach the movement from and um always the design mm-hmm. part has been my primary passion basically i designed tiny houses and started a tiny house movement because mm-hmm. i can't stop designing t- tiny houses um and then beyond that, I can go totally deep into the, um, the legal stuff, since that was a part of it from the beginning for me, like, yeah, why can't I build a tiny house? You know, efficient, safe I mean tiny houses are really in my to my mm-hmm. mind, tiny houses aren't designed to be tiny. they're designed to be as a safe, safe yeah. efficient, and um, affordable as possible, and then that they happen to wind up being tiny. yeah you yeah know, but- that's how they got their name. And I just keep on looking for more efficient ways to build and design. Yeah. So that's my passion recently. And I'm sure there are others, but, uh, yeah. And, and, um,
0: can you tell a little bit about kind of, I know that at this point, this is kind of like the, the mythology, the folklore of the tiny house movement, but can you just talk a little bit about like why you put that first house on wheels in the first place?
1: Yeah, thank you. That's a good question. Um, I had been thinking a, a bit lately about how the movement has evolved so much. I mean, by now, I mean, in the beginning, there was one yeah, you know, tiny house definition that stuck for like a decade. And since then, you know, there are many definitions for a tiny house, and there are a lot of mm-hmm. different uh, facets to the movement. And they all seem to Paul, you know, they're all included in Mm -hmm. the original definitions and tenants because they all, that was a very all-inclusive definition. So um, I started all that because tiny houses were illegal Mm -hmm. and I thought it needed addressing. So I built a really cool house to show you that you can build it, you know, that tiny isn't necessarily, or big isn't necessarily better. And I've been doing yeah, it Yeah, and, ever and since. the
0: wheels specifically, my understanding is that you weren't allowed to build a house as small as you wanted to build. And so putting it on the trailer was kind of a way of circumventing those rules.
1: Totally. That's exactly how tiny houses got their wheels. At least that's how yeah. my tiny house got its wheels. And um, it was a way, you know... I've been studying uh, preemptive laws lately, like constitutional law and how Mm -hmm. those trump the building codes. Turns out tiny houses are illegal. But uh, at that time, all I knew was what the code said. And it said, you cannot build so small. So I went with the the wheels and that's, that worked, that has worked out well. I wanted wheels anyway, so it worked out well.
0: I think, so I, I interviewed Macy Miller for this, for the summit as well. And I think she kind of mused like, I wonder if Jay hadn't put his first tiny house on wheels, whether we'd all be putting them on wheels. I kind of think that the wheels are what made it something that caught on. Like, cause it, it was, it was unique. It was novel. It was, um, it was different, you know, just building a tiny little house. Lots of people had been doing it, have been doing it, but I think the wheels is kind of what, what maybe was the spark that, that set the movement off.
1: I think it, I think it is. You know, I was conscious of more than one way to get it um, to catch. And I figured if I could build a super traditionally Mm -hmm. proportioned house that's itty bitty, but still totally functional and put it on wheels, it's almost ridiculous in its appearance because you got wheels on this very traditional carpenter coffin structure. And I think that is part of why it caught on because if you'd seen it in an image Without wheels, it might not catch one's attention. So, I think we're all lucky it did catch attention. And uh, if I hadn't done it, somebody else would have. So, yeah. it's, it's good. that
0: it's Yeah, a and and long they're now. really when we talk about tiny houses being legal or illegal, there's so there's so much depth to that question. And and one of the sessions also that that we've recorded for the summit is is with Lee Para, who is a one of several. Awesome like long time tiny dwellers, all about like what zoning is and how zoning affects tiny houses um, and then of course there's there's building code, which also oh can affect God. tiny houses um and and you've talked you know, I believe when we did our podcast interview and also you've you've just mentioned it again, kind of constitutionality around tiny houses. do you find that that kind of overrides both? zoning and building code or is there a particular area where it's like well constitutionally it, it's like zoning is illegal or that
1: well it's a good yeah you're hitting all the right questions thank you for asking again because just mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago like it's always a revelation i had another, another revelation when mm-hmm. my editor for this piece i'm writing She's apparently really good at editing. And she dug into some of the stuff I'd written. And it's odd that I never knew this, but the same organization that creates our model building code also Mm, creates our model zoning code in this country. So it gets extra weird because then the zoning allows for, may allow for their own unsafe, inefficient, uh, unaffordable housing. While if it had been a different organization, there might actually be some... um, some sort of uh, catch mechanism, yeah. mechanism yeah. And, to keep that stuff out of really neighborhoods.
0: And it really kind of opened my eyes to the to the fact that that a lot of what drives these codes, and especially what drove them initially, was the industry itself.
1: Yeah, they create the... Yeah. Uh, and this is... It, it is very interesting. And while I was writing this huge essay, I wasn't even... I, I get so monomaniacal yeah. in my what I'm actually doing in the essay that I didn't notice that all this other news was going about on, about this, uh, the organization that mm-hmm. creates the codes, you know, the industry, um, they've been calling in by Congress for a congressional hearing cause they've been caught with some contracts between them and their commercial, uh, members. So they're already on the, art, you know, finally they're being called out by government. For some of the stuff we've been talking about since 1999, yeah. which is encouraging. I think it's, I think we're moving towards something better. You
0: had mentioned um, that it could be said that there are several tiny house movements now. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I don't think everybody who's into tiny houses is really into the legal side of it and how to, like, living in yeah. civil disobedience I mean, I wouldn't imagine most people are because even if they are, they may not be conscious of it, but, uh, one is legally allowed to live in a tiny house, Mm -hmm. but the local officials may have some issues and well, they may, their issues may not stand up, but, um, other people may be in it just because tiny houses are cute or, you know, I got into it for so many different reasons. There's the, uh, aesthetic reason. I was an artist and I just wanted to build something that was well proportioned and, you know, use all the principles of art to to create something that one would live in. Just tired of storing art. So I decided to live in my art instead.
0: Live artfully inside of art. Live artfully. How, um, as as the movement has grown and, and it, it, it really is growing or I guess maybe I won't say the movement. I'll say that, interest in tiny houses and interested in living smaller has grown, which is, is awesome. Um, there are more people who are looking to buy a tiny house and have one built for them rather than, than DIY it. And I'm curious if you could speak to, you know, whether you think that more people should more seriously consider building it themselves, Or if, you know, what are your thoughts on on that DIY versus non-DIY question?
1: I think it totally hinges on how much time, well, how much money or how much life energy Mm -hmm. in general one's time is worth. If you've got a great paying job, it it consumes a lot of hours, it may Mm -hmm. be better to just have somebody build you a house. But if you can... If you're, you know, time rich but cash poor, um, yeah. One, you know, I built my current yeah. house for just three thousand dollars in materials. Now that doesn't include the bathroom or kitchen, so that's a little easier than it sounds. But still, one can build a house really cheap if you've mm-hmm. got, um, if you don't have money, but you got time and you got time to go to the salvage yard, then that would be the way to go. Um, the downside of hiring people that you may not know to do it is that. There there is the tiny house movement, and then there are those who basically ride the, uh, sell Mm. their wares under the moniker of the tiny house movement. And they're not all ethical, and I've heard lots of stories of people. The the, the common story lately is people saying, I gave them all my money, and then they disappeared. And then there are other things that happen. So I think it's best to uh, really double-check who you're working with. A lot of the early adopters. All, everyone I know who's an early adopter—D. Williams, me, Deke, well, um, Deirdre—to mm-hmm. we're all of integrity. But um, we basically established a, a demand, and other people are who are just after yeah. the money. Some of them are capitalizing. I always have to make that distinction, though. Tiny house movement, good.
0: Parasites, bad. And and parasites I mean, parasites, bad. I also try not to be an arbiter of, of like what builders are good and what builders are bad, because there are so many at this point that like, I can't keep track and I have, I don't have interest in keeping track, but um, I usually tell people to make sure that the builder they work with has built tiny houses before and that they allow you to get in contact with other people who are living in their tiny houses in an unmediated fashion. Like, don't let me just read a quote. Let me actually, can I call somebody who's living in one of the houses you built and talk to them?
1: Yeah. That's the best. That was, That's a great answer. I mean, even just trusting their photos yeah. of their stuff, you know, their portfolio, that's what I would normally do. But a lot of that stuff is um, assimilated from other people's work. You know, and oddly enough, sometimes a company will pretend to be, yeah. they've used my name, for yeah. example. It's like, yeah, we work with Jay Schaefer buy our, our great houses? Which is shock. So yeah, call yeah. talk to the people who live in the houses. Um.
0: So so your interest, kind of going back to your interest in in the law and um, you know, building code and and how that all came to be. Can you can you kind of give us a little history lesson about? And I know that you have your your essay is kind of like a very in depth version of this, but. For somebody who's watching this, you know, 30-minute summit session who's just curious about hearing the the history a bit, can you you tell us about it?
1: Yeah. At this point, you haven't even seen the essay, and you're one of the only two people I'm going to send the uh, preview to. I appreciate it. Just even a friend told me. Yeah, send it to that Bryce guy in New Zealand and that Ethan podcast guy. They seem to be of integrity. They won't reveal it too early. It's got so much... um, it reveals so much scandal in the creation of the codes that I need. I'm actually basically okay. lawy- lawy- lawyering up right now make sure I'm bulletproof. I, I'm pretty bulletproof <laughs> exactly. because if you don't have any money, you don't have to worry too much about being sued.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So-called defamation. Um, okay. But the essay is uh, its all about, okay, so the, the form is just, here are 16 ways that tiny housers have used to um, mm-hmm. make their civil disobedience legal and ward off any local officials who may not understand Mm -hmm. that their house is actually legal. So I go through the preemptive laws, some of the weird stuff in the code, like small print stuff that says, this code is not necessarily for safety or it doesn't guarantee safety, Um, things like that. And it turns out in the end, the code isn't Mm -hmm. really worth that much as far as I can tell. It's it's really the preemptive laws of, uh, State some state laws and definitely constitutional laws like like um, laws housing law can only about mm-hmm. be about health safety morals and uh, general welfare which boils okay. down to efficiency and affordability really so if it goes if the law's going beyond mm-hmm. that it's not really optimal as law I don't know if I just that spit was, out too much but yeah, I did that, just that consolidate was the whole thing right there so.
0: so and I want to dig in on the safety thing a little bit because I think that there's there are definitely some ways that tiny houses can be built unsafe, uh, particularly in the, in terms of indoor air quality, but, um, how, how, you know, you also kind of call out the codes for, for these larger single family homes as also being unsafe. And and I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about, about that.
1: Yeah. Well, the, The code Mm -hmm. for um, larger single-family homes is the primary Mm -hmm. code that we use in this country for housing, and um, it calls for ostensibly calls for safety and health and all these things. And then in the administration section, you'll see in small print, not all of these provisions are for safety, and the building official shall discern which ones are actually valid and which ones aren't. So it's just kind of a roundabout way of confusing people into buying more product from the from the Code Council's members. um, You know, I had a good point to make. I'm sure it'll be coming back to me, but I think uh, it is interesting. I I know what it was. When I set out to build my first tiny house, I just was building the safest, most efficient, Mm -hmm. most affordable house I could without compromising on quality. And what's happened is that kind of house, that kind of subtractive design results Mm -hmm. in in a structure that's actually safer, more efficient, and more affordable than what code allows and that explains why tiny houses have become so controversial because they're actually challenging the codes their very existence yeah. challenges the codes which say no you need to build a
0: mm-hmm.
1: 5000 square foot whatever which is not the smaller the structure all all things being equal the smaller the structure the greater Certainly. the structural integrity so um, that, that and egress and a, and a lot of, of, of course, efficiency. I mean, using less is the most direct way to efficiency that you can get. And as far as like indoor air quality and all, I'm saying if mm-hmm. one were doing the same things as code requires, your house would still be safer, but you can do so much better. And that's, I think, part of what the, how, the movement has allowed for a lot of innovation, because we're yeah. sort of outside the box. Developing safer, safer ways. And
0: in some so. cases out of out of necessity. I mean, I've seen I would I would imagine, I mean, I, I don't have this data, but I would guess that many more tiny homes have, for example, ventilation systems than single family homes and, and systems to make the houses more healthy to live in than, than most homes that you would find out there.
1: Yeah. I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the upsides of building your own is if you're really that gung ho about building a house, you're probably, Mm -hmm. you've probably researched things a bit. I mean, when I built mine, I'd spent year the first one I spent years designing before I ever bought my first two by four. and. By then I knew, okay, I need to suck some air through an event Mm -hmm. to go outward and keep the walls airtight because that's the best way to go right now. And yeah, you just follow the best practices because what are you going to do? If it's your house, you're going to do the best thing. So
0: your, um, your seven by eight house that, and speaking of Bryce, there's a, he did a wonderful tour of it for, for his YouTube channel, living big in a tiny house that was constructed. You, you already mentioned for, for $3,000. Um, and, and it. From what I could tell, mm-hmm. the kind of the construction methods were were kind of unique. Um, can you talk about how you know, like the building envelope for that yeah, house, and, yeah. and how you kind of? It seems like it's a custom design.
1: Yeah. Whenever I want to, when I want to try a new technology, I figure I better try it out, try yeah. it out in my house first before yeah. I sell anything or put it out there. And so I've done like a house made out of magnesium oxide just over foam board and that worked out really well fireproof and then this one same size as that prototype this seven by eight house i just um i built the frame which is the cabinetry on the inside if you look at the corners every corner has wood Uh or a closet or something and and then i put the insulation on the outside of that so there wouldn't be any Mm -hmm. thermal bridging Mm -hmm. through the framing into the house and then a sandwich with screws and bats through the outside, you know, right under the siding. Cool. So it's, it's pretty much a sandwich. I took it to an extreme. I probably would have added a couple of little studs on either side of the window, but otherwise... It's, Interesting. So um, you almost... I wouldn't change your thing. You
0: almost built your own custom sips, kind of, like a sandwich. Yeah.
1: I did, yeah. I, yeah, I'm looking for a hybrid. So many great technologies, yeah. I figure there's got to be a nice hybrid and that. That was my yeah. sips. Balloon and, and how has
0: that house performed? Because mm-hmm. you, you've been living in that for several years now.
1: It's performed great. Oh yeah, it's great. Um, I mentioned maybe wanting studs on either side of the window because one day I did have to climb uh-huh. climb through the window because oh. I forgot my keys. And the wall, you know, I designed it for certain stresses and not others. Apparently, I did not design it for somebody crawling through the window. It's yeah, like, oh, there's
0: kind of there's nothing supporting that, that window. Yeah, next,
1: Next one, yeah, oh, yeah, not yeah. much. There's, yeah, I did as much as I could without breaking the insulation, but it's good. I just won't yeah. crawl through yeah. the window anymore, it'll be great. Oh, I should mention too if there's any confusion out there about why I say mm-hmm. three thousand mm-hmm. some, dollars sometimes for that house and sometimes five, it's because if I hadn't salvaged materials, it would have been yeah. five. So I usually say five, yeah, and that, I think so that people don't get there's
0: that. a lot of. There's a lot of sticker shock in the tiny house world for newcomers in both directions, I think. I think people are like, oh, tiny houses are affordable. And so then they go to a tiny house builder and they get a quote and it's $100,000. And they're like, oh my God, that's not affordable. And so they're shocked by the price. And then on the flip side, they read a story about you or there are still tons of people who are building tiny houses sub $10,000 tiny houses and it's kind of like mm. neither it, it's still doable like it's still possible to build a, a tiny house for for under $10,000 but there's some not if you're hiring a builder to do it and certainly not if you're trying to use all new materials
1: totally yeah, if I'd uh, hired somebody to build my right. house, and they spent all the time I spent yeah. like, trying to figure out right, details right. as they went, you,
0: it would have been. It a Seems force. like you kind of went through a bit of an iterative process, maybe even while you were building it, kind of figuring it out as you went.
1: Yeah, that's right. the upside of designing and buildings. Like you can, instead of you can be really pissed at the designer for forgetting this or that or calling an inch a foot, but um, when you're building yep. it yourself, you can only get pissed at yourself and.
0: Yes. And And though I will caution, I mean, me personally, I would say like, if you've never built anything before and you want to end up with a house that is livable, I would say, try to plan it out a little bit more than Jay has just, just because he has some experience. He's built a few. Um, and, and so for somebody who's approaching it, you know, for their first house or, or even not sure if they're going to DIY it or not, I mean, what, what advice, uh, would you give somebody?
1: Yeah. I would just say design, design, design. I mean, even in my house where I refine things as I built, I'd spend something like 300 hours designing it. And it's a, yeah. it's a seven by eight foot box, essentially. But the smaller it yeah. is, the harder to, it is for me to design because then it's really getting down to the essence, which is what I, I enjoy that challenge. But uh, you're not designing. It, it just seems like I know I've met some people who think, I think tiny houses mm-hmm. look easy, like anybody could do it. And especially the good ones because good design right. results in something that looks simple and easy. So um, I don't think that's necessarily the case. If you design the heck out of it, then it, then you can get to that really simple construction process and, and product. But uh, I would, uh, if somebody's just spending four hours designing a house and then thinks it's going to be perfect. I, yeah. It could happen, but I doubt it. Well,
0: the tiny house movement now is, is like, you know, over 20 years old and it's, it's grown a lot. It's changed a lot. Um, you know, when we started, I kind of asked, what are you excited about right now? And, and I guess my, my kind of closing or moving towards the closing question is just like, where, what are you excited about, you know, for the future in, in this movement?
1: Oh man, it seems <laughs> like the future is now, like suddenly everything, yeah. it always seems like that. In 1999, well, in 2000, I thought, okay, yeah. wow, that's, <laughs> this is huge. It can't get any bigger than this. Yeah. And then every year yeah. I think that, and it always gets bigger because it's necessary. It's like a great solution. It's just, it isn't in my, to my mm-hmm. eye, it doesn't have to be any particular square footage, but building efficiently it is the way to go. And so... Um, Right now, the codes are changing. The zoning's changing very quickly because municipalities are realizing that the laws they've been enforcing for a few decades have caused huge problems, and now they're backpedaling to try and come up. Oh, the answer to that would be common sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just follow the preemptive laws, and it's all, it's all good. So, this is—they're very receptive right now. The industry is also. I think there's still a lot of people in the mm. industry industry who just want to sell, sell, sell. But there are also a lot of people in the industry who right. just started seeing the need for efficiency right, and who are capitalizing on that. And and unfortunately, so, and in,
0: in kind of, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, like in our kind of capitalist system, it often does take industry to push changes to laws. Um, in in combination with individuals and and movements.
1: Totally. Yeah, exactly. In my essay, it concludes with a call to action. Like, Mm -hmm. what can you do if you're a federal official, Mm -hmm. local official, a citizen? Citizens have a lot of power in this because our civil disobedience, for one thing, has actually changed a few of the laws already and will continue, has pushed for the congressional hearing. That hearing is amazing because it actually turned a lot of people in local mm. governments against the industry. It became kind of a war, which is great. If you can divide and conquer industry and government, it's like, wow, yeah, we might actually have some yeah, absolutely, there. Yeah, so it's changing fast, and it's very exciting. That's why I'm designing. Yeah, I always design like crazy, and now I'm just like, oh my gosh, this are is you doing any building right now? Happen. Okay. Um, not right now. I would love to. I should put out a little uh, plug for myself saying, if you want a tiny house designed and built, I'm your man. Though, frankly, when it comes to the design part, I don't work as well in collaboration because I'm like, I have a hard time with a sliding glass door idea yeah. and the jacuzzi cannot right. not work it's on this house. No. I can't design <laughs> this. But if you want like the most efficient, most affordable tiny house, available yeah i probably have it on my desk what's up uh, if, if right we now. were to
0: look at your at sure your drafting that. table what what would be on it right now
1: <laughs> oh a huge mess of just the pot see I, I i just monomaniacally draw out these designs and then i throw them into a pile and then i throw a few other like bills yep. on top and then i throw another pile of designs they're in there though and the best ones i've uh, i've kept track of so the, the, the top of my desk looks <laughs> okay. like that of a madman.
0: Well, that's uh, oftentimes, you know, that's the the sign of a of a truly creative person. You know, the no, not many creatives have a have a neat desk.
1: Yeah, they say uh, that's that's true. It's become more and more that way for me. And they, I, I've heard it said, if you want to, if you want to really see genius, <laughs> you dig through somebody's trash yeah. can to see, see where the genius is. And I think I have a lot of. Yeah, a lot yeah, of genius is just knowing what to get rid of. You know that really applies in the tiny house yeah. world. Editing is is everything. What's not exactly. working for you works against you.
0: Well, uh, any any closing yeah. thoughts for for Summit viewers? Just on uh, the tiny house no, movement, I, or really any anything that you that you like to share with us?
1: You know, all I can think is I just want to keep on talking because this is fun. Um, I'm sure there are a thousand things I could say, but you've hit the, right. the big points and there'll be a lot more and I'll be handing that essay off to you All and right. Bryce from New Zealand. Um, I'll try to, I'll try to get you that before, Correct. I know, I know this is live. So I'll try to get that to you before this goes live. So you'll actually, okay. so, well, we'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah. And you fun, know, when, when, when that
0: does you. happen if you want to come and do an interview back on the tiny house on the podcast and really talk through the essay, we we could do that too. We can make that happen. Okay.
1: I would love to. Yeah, Good. I love this. Uh, this is a great podcast. Everybody exactly. listening. but if exactly. you're already listening, right, I guess okay. you are. Well, thank man. you,
0: Jay. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Ethan.